in a series over these four weeks of Advent, which began on December the 2nd, on how to turn Christmas upside down. It's called Christmas Cons Advent Conspiracy. And it was, it's interesting because it was said of the early church that uh, they, these are those who have turned the world upside down. And Jesus came to bring a kingdom that I don't think turns the world upside down. I think he turns it right side up. It's just that it, from our perspective, it looks upside down. So excuse me, I'm just going to get my sermon notes. Oh, PowerPoint. No. We're going to see if God can actually move without PowerPoint. We're going to see. So, today, we, we've been going through a series of topics. The first, how many remember what the first topic of our Advent conspiracy was? Come on, it was a long time ago, two weeks ago. Huh? Kim, you cheated by saying? <coughs> worship fully. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Joanna spoke on worship fully. We talked about making worship more part of our, our, our Advent season rather than panic and, and, and stress and anxiety, but becoming refocused on the One who came and worshiping Him as we sang and beautifully worshiped with our, our team this morning. How about last Sunday? What was uh, our theme last Sunday? Spend less. Spend less. All right. Now today, it's a little bit of a... It, seemed, it sounds like a paradox because we just told you to spend less. But how can you give more and spend less? How can you do that? And it does seem to be a, a, a bit of a contradiction but I would like to propose that if big, if big, great things... Got excited there. It's been a few hours since the rum. I should be all right. Great things. If great things come in small packages, was it ever more true than when Jesus came as a little baby? Was it ever more true that... Great things come in little packages. Because the story of Advent is about the Creator saying, I want to give a gift. And the gift that I'm going to give, let's see, what can I give? I want it to be a gift that shows them how much I love them. That shows them that I'm on their side. That shows them that I'm for them. What can I give? And the Creator scanned the whole universe. And Romans 8 tells us this. The Creator just went through everything in his arsenal to find out what he could find to give us. And everything he could find, the one thing he gave us, he decided to give us himself. And he came in the form of a vulnerable little baby. A baby that was dependent on the body of a teenage mother. And he lived amongst us in vulnerability and humility. As one preacher said, when God looked around and decided what to give, he didn't send it Federal Express. But he came himself. He came to live amongst us. And I have on the back of your bulletin probably three of, uh, of, of some of the most precious scriptures to me 
in all of my years of, of, of being a follower of Jesus. And the first one is, is that God so loved the world that He gave. And as we've often heard, you can give without loving. How many know that often happens at Christmas? Okay, here's your gift. Let's get it over with, right? The token gift. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Bless you. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And then Romans 8 says this, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? And then verse 14 of John 1, it says that the Word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh, became human. And He made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory. As Eugene Peterson translates it in the message, the, the, the Word became human and moved into our neighborhood. He moved into our neighborhood. You know, in this time of Advent conspiracy, when somebody says, give more, I don't know about you, but something inside of me goes, are you kidding? I feel gived out. You ever have giving fatigue? Does that ever happen? Usually happens this time of year, doesn't it? And there's so many appeals going on. There's so many needs. There's so many opportunities and so many charities and, and opportunities for, for us to contribute to help those in need. And, 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 and none, none bad in themselves. But the challenge for us is dealing with this compassion fatigue. Dealing with this giving fatigue. Feeling like you've given and you can't give anymore. Have you ever felt like that? And you know, one of the areas that we feel poverty in, Karen Chupa actually sent me an email this week of an article in Psychological Science. And the article was called, Giving Time Gives You Time. Let's say that again. Giving time gives you time. Because one of the areas where we feel compassion fatigue, one of the areas where we feel like we've got nothing left to give is in this area of time. And, and they coined a term called time famine. How many have ever felt like you were in a bit of a time famine? Time famine, by definition, is you just don't have enough time to do everything you want to do. How many here have enough time to do everything you want to do? How many have enough time to do everything you need to do? Can I inform you something? You do. It's just that we have a hard time figuring out what that is, don't we? That's where the challenge is. And it's, they talk about these seminary students that were rushing to a class on the Good Samaritan, and they, they, they passed a colleague that was in trouble, and they didn't have the time to stop because they were late for class, Right? And often the story of the Good Samaritan is about, it's not about the Good Samaritan, it's about two religious guys that had time famine, had time fatigue. They had, they, it's not that they didn't care about this guy, they didn't have time. They had deadlines, they had demands. And isn't that the issue? It's not that we don't care. And they've actually done studies on major cities in North America that are, where the pace of life is frantic and people just don't have time to stop. It's not that they don't care, but it comes across... As a, as a society without compassion. And in this article, they wrote, they'd done studies to show 
that when people will give time, will actually, when they feel like they don't have enough time in their life, if they will actually deliberately give their time creatively to someone else, maybe help a, a, a frantic mother with babysitting, or, 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 or spend time helping an elderly person uh, fix up their yard, when they actually, against their instinct, when they feel like they don't have enough time, they give that time away, they actually end up feeling they have more time. Now we know that objectively that's impossible because there's only 24 hours in a day. So you can't create more time. Maybe the money thing might work when you give, God blesses it. But time, we know time is time and you can't, you can't alter that. But they said what happens is when you give your time away to somebody else and you serve them, you help them, there's a sense of empowerment that you have, that you're using your time well, that you're being fruitful and productive. And what that does is it creates a state of well-being in your mind where you, it's almost like a state of empowerment where you go, I can do this. And, it, and, if, and so it's subjective. It's something that happens in your mind and your heart. And through many studies, they compared it with people who were rushed. And they said, okay, take a holiday. Do some recreational time. You know, go swimming. And, and there's nothing wrong with recreation. But they found that people that actually gave away time felt they had more time than people that were given leisure time and recreational time. Or just time to waste. Isn't that interesting? This is from psychological science. Kind of, sounds kind of biblical, doesn't it? And so their conclusion was, is that where individuals feel that time is constrained, they should become more generous with their time, despite the normal inclination to be less so. And in your bulletins, there's an insert on all kinds of ideas of creatively giving away time. And in Advent Conspiracy, we're, we're challenging all of us to when we... when yes. There, there is a place for buying gifts, but, but think about the gift of time when you buy gifts. So in other words, you heard the example a couple of weeks ago about if you, the fellow who gave his father a, a pound of coffee. And he said, this gift is with one condition, and that is that you can only drink coffee with me because I need to hear your stories, Dad. I need to hear about your life. I need to spend time with you. And, or, or giving a creative coupons. I can think about five or six I need to give to my wife. Five or six creative coupons about spending time together. Where, and sometimes it does cost. The, one, the coupon for my grandson is going to be costly. It's a day of skiing in the Calgary area. That will be expensive, right? But it's time. It's being together, right? And, um, and so I want to assure you, and I, I, I put a few scratch notes on the back of your bulletin for you to think about, and we'll return to this. But in the world, there are two economies. There's the, the economy of the, of the world, and there's the economy of the kingdom of God. The economy of the world is based on scarcity. In other words, it's if you can imagine a pie, and the whole value is based on how much I have, because there's only a limited amount. The value of the kingdom of God is based on abundance. There's no limit. And so because it's not based on a scarcity, the value of investment in the kingdom of God is to give. In the kingdom of this world, it's to hold because it's limited. But in the kingdom of God, you unleash that economy by giving, whether it's of time, of yourself, of resources. And God always says that as you follow me and you live in love, it's like Mother Teresa said. How did she say it? It's not the size of the gift 
but it's the size of the love behind the gift. It's not the size of the action, it's the size of the love behind the action that makes all the difference. And I want to wrap up with a quick story about my own family. By the way, my, my son-in-law, Marcus, we just got news that he can come home for Christmas. That's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, what, to, when you look at the injuries, and I had a prophetic word from one of our intercessors who lives on the Sunshine Coast, and she told us a day after that accident that he's, his healing was going to be accelerated, and she was speaking that. And there's been an acceleration. Uh, so he's able, he will be able to put weight on his pelvis for the first time in, in a week, they said, and so he's, he's able to come home. Still a long haul as far as uh, recovery. But as many of you know, we were there uh, about a month ago, and uh, it was just kind of in the wake of the accident. And of course, Deeb is basically a single mother at the time and, and has been ever since. Uh, and so we were just there that week to just pitch in and help in any way we could. And I uh, thought I'd rehearse this. <laughs> um, in, in the summertime, when they arrived back in Canada, I gave them the, the van that I've driven around for 300 years yeah. here in this church. <laughs> and it, most of you have moved in that van or, or something. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I just felt, you know, it's, it's a previa. It has eternal life. Um, so it's going to live forever. So I, I, it was kind of their welcome back to Canada. It was perfect for the amount of seating that they needed. And it was kind of emotional for me because it was the van that she learned to drive in. I taught her how to drive. And so many memories since 1996 in that van. Uh, it, the youth group used to be in that van, guys. And, uh, you know, we have to pull the trailer, of course. But no, we didn't put kids in the trailer. We just put, put skis and stuff like that. And uh, so we gave the, the... So anyway, we went to Calgary in, in uh, November, and I forgot about Calgary weather with our van. Our van is a Vancouver van, okay? And so she experienced this phenomena called uh, dead battery uh, when the weather was about 30 below. I know, it sounds like hell, or the extreme opposite, but it was cold, and her vehicle wouldn't start. So I I, th I took it upon myself. She had enough things going on to take it into the, the, the a local mechanic and get him to, to kind of work on it and tell us what the problem is. He says, well, the battery was a bit weak, but it's Calgary. I recommend a block heater. Right. So without thinking, I just said, put it in, right? Well, when I came to pay, the bill was $500 extra than what I'd bud budgeted for. I'd budgeted for some, oh. some little repairs for the, for the car, for the van. It was about $500 extra. And I was sitting there with my Visa card, you know, in Visa we trust, you know that one. Um, and I'm going, I can't afford this. But then I just heard a, f a little while, I, I, I knew that Dee couldn't afford it. I knew we couldn't afford it. And I, but I knew, and sometimes you have to make these decisions in life where you go, can we afford not to? With four little ones on a winter morning, can I afford for my daughter to be stranded somewhere with her vehicle not being able? So, so it's one of those decisions where you go, can I afford not to? And I knew she couldn't afford not to. I knew we couldn't afford not to. And it was just a connection thing. So I said, put it on. I paid for it. I felt terrible because Kathleen was really sick and I, I didn't even have a chance to consult with her. 
usually. <laughs> I usually consult. 99.999%. Um, and I, I felt terrible, but I just felt I had to do this. So, so there's that, that discomfort. And, and, but you know what made me do it? I heard a voice. I heard a voice of a father. A father that loves me. A father that loves my daughter, loves her family. And I heard him say, I have enough. I'm not poor. I'm not broke. And so we got the block heater done. And it, by the way, it's come in very handy. I don't know if you have the little weather thing on your iPhone for Calgary, but it's, yeah. it's really bleak, man. And, and uh, it's come in very handy. But I have to tell you this. As we were hugging, my dad phoned me up a couple days later. He phoned me up, took us out to Swiss Chalet. When my dad calls you to take you for lunch, you can guarantee it'll be Swiss Chalet. We went to Swiss Chalet. We hugged them to say goodbye. And he handed me an envelope. And guess what was in the envelope? $500. I hadn't talked to him about this. Nothing. And I heard a little chuckle in the heavenlies. Do you, do you, get, the, do you get this? That my dad helped me as a father who was helping my daughter. And there was a heavenly dad up there just enjoying the show. You can't outgive God. You can't. So when I say give more, I mean listen to the voice of God. Be present and, and, and sometimes be crazy. Well, can you believe it? It's 11.29, and I'm done. Somebody help David. Somebody help Dave. He's having a heart attack. Pray for that man. <laughs> hey, Alec, can we do a carol? You got one ready, right? Oh, I thought you were going to have another one. Can we just pray for people that need that kind of okay. miracle? Yeah. Yeah. Let's not leave here without recognizing that there might be five, there might be 10, there might be 15 or 20 people or maybe more that need this kind of father heart to come to them. We know that we're here on behalf of our chili wagon neighbors. We're here on behalf of our community. Gordy and I had the privilege of walking up and down. Uh, we saw Mark. He was going to the pet store for his little puppy, Beautiful. But we walked into a couple places and had a chance to talk about Chili Wagon and consolidarity as a community, community involvement. We went to um, Thousand Villages. They've, they're donating coffee so we can give it out on Tuesday to some of our neighbors. At first I thought, oh, you know, we're asking them to give us gifts to give away, but we're, it was all about let's extend ourselves as a church family. Let's be a community together. And we walked into this restaurant, and a guy was sitting there at the bar, and he says, hi, Gordy and Kathleen. I was like, what? And I, he says, don't you remember me? And he used to date my daughter. His name is Marcus, and he runs the cupcake he runs the cupcake store. Like, now I'm going to have to force myself to go to that place. I usually avoid places like that. But, he, you know, he, he is a businessman. And Gordy and I are going to go see him probably tomorrow sometime. He's probably going to donate cupcakes. Who knows? But then his sister is the owner of Fets. 
And so we had this amazing connection. So the world is out there waiting for us to extend ourselves. So I just want to pray for anybody here that feels like, yeah, I'm willing to believe God to bless me so that I can bless others. I also want everybody to um, meet my beautiful homestay student, Sulbin, who's here for the first time. Sulbin, stand up. Beautiful Korean princess who is on her way to Halifax to start studying university. So, Father, I just thank you for this family. We thank you for this beautiful testimony Gordy is able to share. I confess at first when I heard about the 500 bucks, I thought, oh, my gosh, my Scottish nature kicked in. But, Lord, you never cease to amaze us. And so, Lord, for every person that's here representing anybody or even themselves that feels they really need you to shower out on them more than enough, or at least to provide for all their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ. We just ask, Lord, that you would do that. You would show up. You would knock on the door of their heart. You would shower them, Lord, to provide for everything they need for food, everything they need for their rent and more. So we can be a blessed, blessed, blessed community in Jesus' name. Well, let's just reflect on that a bit. And, and let's, as we sing this carol again, just, just uh, allow God's generosity to be poured out on you by His Spirit. <laughs>